Okay, well, that being said, um, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Judges? If you don't have one, there should be one on the side shelf over there, and open it up to chapter 16 is where we find ourselves tonight. Judges chapter 16. And uh, tonight we finish up the story of probably one of the more famous people in the Bible, a man by the name of Samson. And so we will look and finish up his life story tonight, as the Bible records for us. And then next week is chapter 17 through um, 21, which really... Um, really is a very depressing section of scripture, I'll tell you. It's kind of sad how bad the country goes. I mean, we've been seeing it kind of slowly go downhill. Well, as a matter of fact, um, you know, here's our our cycle of the, the book of Judges, you know, uh, the nation starts out serving God, and then they just start moving away from God. They do evil, they turn away from Him, they just kind of follow their own desires and passions and and, and and then the Lord says, "Okay, if that's what you want to serve and follow, you can, you know, do that." And and but it's going to bring you into bondage, and the enemies around them—they were doing like everybody other, all the other nations did, and then they got caught up in all the problems the other nations have because of what they do, and they become enslaved by that. Uh, they start serving those other gods, and then it becomes miserable. Then they cry out to God, they turn to Him, they repent from that, and he raises up a judge, or again, uh, don't think of a judge with a gavel. Remember, think of him as a hero or a deliverer. Um, He he delivers his people, uh, uh, and uh, and the cycle starts again. And so we've been kind of going that, and we notice that for the most part, uh, the cycle between uh, them falling away from God and being under bondage tends to get longer and longer. And, uh, you know, at the end, after Samson, it really isn't really a, a story of a deliverer. It's a story of how bad the nation really goes downhill. I mean, you'll, well, we'll read it together. It's not a fun section of Scripture to go through. But, you know, the lessons are there that God's preserved us and wants to see, you know, how bad it can get, which most of us know when we just forsake God. And they certainly did, and we'll see all that that happens, and then the bright picture when we get to Samuel, who's the judge that, uh, the last judge and the first prophet to kind of lead the nation. It's a that let me start going back up again. So, <laughs> anyway, that's what we're working towards, and let's uh, go before the Lord, and we'll pick it up there. Oh, is it locked? We don't want any more people in church. <laughs> that's pretty sad, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, is it locked or is the the carpet was stuck? Okay, good. All right, sorry. All right, well, let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight for all that you're going to say in and through our lives, Lord, and speak to us as we give, uh, you know, attention to your word, Lord. We ask that you would just do that great and powerful work you're so faithful to do, Lord, as we, uh, Father, uh, hear from you. So we ask that you would move by your spirit in our midst, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, Samson now. Samson, again, uh, let's kind of refresh our minds a little bit. You know, 
had a great calling by God. He had a lot of advantages that other people in, in, in throughout Scripture didn't have. He had godly parents. He had uh, a, a call on his life before he was born. Uh, when he was, uh, uh, when the Lord blessed Manoah and his wife with a baby that they couldn't have, uh, you know, the Lord, an angel came to her. Or we know that was Jesus coming before the birth in Bethlehem. He comes before and tells her, you're going to have a, but this is going to be a baby separated under me. Remember, it was a Nazarite vow. That was a vow anybody could take in the Old Testament, man or woman, it didn't matter. And it was a, it was a, um, uh, a vow of dedication. And you could take it for a week, a month, a year. It didn't really give a time period. But that was a time where you said, I want to dedicate this part of my life for God. And there were certain things that they had to do. Uh, one of the things was they weren't supposed to cut their hair during that vow. It was kind of an outward sign that they were taking this vow to, uh, you know, just focus on the things of the Lord. In a real small way and not a perfect analogy, but, you know, like Wednesday night, tonight. Uh, you come here to church, you carved out the Wednesday night to say, hey, I want to hear from you, Lord. I'm dedicating this time to to hear from you. And, uh, you know, be with your people and serve and all those things that we do that happens at church and that and so much more. And so, uh, again, uh, that was the uh, uh, what he was doing. He was doing that, but his calling was for a lifetime. So it's, um, yeah, Tom, you know what, John, uh, Thomas will show you where, where it is. Hey, John, what, Thomas will show you where it is. He'll, he'll get it out for you. We're in Judges chapter... Oh, you're showing her? Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. You're a good helper. John chapter 16, yeah. Or Judges, not John. I know. You're John. That's Judges. We know where we are now. Okay. Sorry all about that. We're all here. It's okay. No. Um, no problem. And so, uh, again, his life was to be dedicated. And he had the Spirit of God on him from birth. Um, we just, it's very rare to see that. You know, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament particularly came upon people for different times or seasons or events, but um, to have them from birth was, um, you know, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit was uh, just very rare. So he had a lot of advantages. And, um, but we also saw this kind of whole selfish side of Samson, who just wanted to pursue his own passions. God had a calling on his life, and you know, let's face it, we would say today Samson's downfall was chasing after gals. That was his whole deal. He just got caught up in that, and it's going to sink the ship, <laughs> literally. Um, and he kind of abandoned his calling and followed after his passion. Now, again, uh, not the only sin. There's, uh, boy, people chase after money or fame or uh, pleasure or, boy, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But that was Samson's big deal. And it's going to cause him uh, a lot of hurt. It had all the advantages, and yet throws it away, it seems, uh, for the most part. Well, let's look at the last part of his life here in verse 1 of chapter 16. It says, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. What? <laughs> what? Yes, it's in the Bible. What? You know, you read that and you kind of go, what? What in the world were you thinking, Samson? You know, uh, he's supposed to be this godly man. He's supposed to be this guy that, 
you know, is supposed to lead the nation. God had given a great ability and power to, and strength. Uh, and, 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 you know, the Philistines, remember our background, they ruled over the Israelites for um, years and years and decades. And he was supposed to deliver them. And now he's down in Gaza and he's with the prostitute. I mean, uh, it's just his passions were just, you know, what he was following him. You know, he just saw this prostitute. He's down in Gaza, and that's where he is. So, so, you know, there's two glaring things here in Samson's life. What in the world is he doing with a prostitute? And what in the world is he doing in Gaza? That was the Philistine territory. Remember our little map here? Uh, you know, he's from Israel. This was the, the Philistines that were ruling over them, had this area here. He's from up here, and, and, and even though they were supposed to drive out the Philistines, we talked about that. They didn't do that. They left them there. These guys lived con- completely contrary to God's law. He's from up here, and what in the world is he doing over in Gaza? What, what is, what's he going to find there? There was nothing good found in that place, just the enemy. But... Again, it's a lesson for us. There are places, you guys, we shouldn't go as believers. There is just places out there that we have no business being in the midst of. Uh, Nothing good will ever come from that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and give you a list of what those things are, but, and for everybody, for people that might have, there might be a little differences here, but I'll tell you, there's, there are some places um, that we just shouldn't go and shouldn't be a part of as Christians. There is nothing good or redeeming in those places. And Samson didn't heed that. He, he is in Gaza, and Gaza is kind of like uh, the Las Vegas of the day. I, I don't know how else to put it, but, you know, maybe the Amsterdam of the day. I, I don't know. You know, where everything goes and anything goes. And what happens in Gaza Stays in Gaza. I don't know however you want to say that, right? There's just places, uh, nothing good there. And he goes down there, and of course, that's prostitution's rampant down there. It's, it's part of their worship service. I mean, they can justify it as being religious practices. It's, it's crazy. And these guys are, you know, he's down there. Again, um, with the prostitute in Gaza, just no place for any godly person, certainly a godly man, certainly one that is supposed to have this great calling on his life. Now, why does he go there? It doesn't tell us, and in my own mind, this is kind of how I think about it. Samson was now really kind of getting caught up in his pride. I mean, you might remember last time uh, when a thousand guys came upon him, he just picked up a, a bone, a jawbone of a donkey, and he wiped out a thousand guys. So he was, you know, ultimate, the ultimate fighter, <laughs> literally. And I think, you know, he went down to Gaza, and to me it seems like, you know, it was just kind of his pride. Um, Hey, you know what? I can march into the city of the enemy, and who's going to mess with me? I'll take out all your soldiers if you mess with me. It just kind of seems like he was kind of, I don't know, to me, that he was, uh, you know, kind of taunting them or just kind of prideful, like, hey, nothing's going to happen to me. And he's using that God-given strength. Now, remember, as we, I talked about before, I, I think Samuel, or Sam, Samson, I'm sorry, not Samuel. Samson was the classic 98-pound weakling. I don't, don't think this guy was muscle-bound and, you know, his arms couldn't hang straight because he was so muscle-bound or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I, I think 
Uh, we'll find out later on the chapter. They'll want to know what the secret of his strength was. If he was some big giant guy, I think they would have said, "Yeah, we just got to, you know, he's just he's just so muscular. There's just nobody that can challenge him." But they didn't know what it came where it came from. And he's using that great strength that God gives him in pride, kind of just walking around Gaza, like, "Who's going to touch me?" You know, uh, you're not going to do anything to me. He was called to lead the Israelites out of the oppression and slavery that the Philistines had put on him. And he's down there with a prostitute in this city, walking around like, you know, with big, you know, ego head down there, it seems like to me. Just in the wrong place, just kind of squandering what God called him to do. And... um, Again, we just need to be careful that we don't find, think, well, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm, oh, that's not a temptation to me. That's not a problem. So I can go there and show up. Eh, you know, be careful. That's pride talking. That's Samson kind of talk. You know, that, oh, that won't affect me. And, I, oh, I see that stuff or I'm around that stuff. And it, it doesn't really affect me because I'm. That's what Samson was thinking. We'll see how that will work out for him. Good warning here for all of us to remember. So he's down there, he's with this prostitute, and this is what happened, verse 2. And when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And They were quiet all night, saying, in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. Verse 3, and Samson laid uh, uh, low until midnight, and then he arose at midnight took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron or Hebron. Now, (laughs) I don't know if this helps give you an idea of what's going on here, but you know, here's Samson. He's in Gaza. He's sleeping with this prostitute and I don't know if he knew these guys were going to probably try to capture him and kill him while he's down in the city, it kind of gives you the idea that you think he kind of knew that. And, and he, again, in his pride, he's thinking, okay, these guys are going to wait till morning probably to want to, to want to catch me when I'm, you know, uh, you know, just waking up or just coming out or whatever like that. So I'm just going to roll out of here at midnight and, uh, you know, and he rolls out at midnight. Of course, it's in a city. It's a walled city, and the gates are shut, which is what they do in a walled city, so that obviously that nobody can come in, and or armies, and you know you understand the whole picture here. So he sees this shut, and what does he do? He literally grabs this gate with its foundations and its posts and its bars, picks it up, and rips the whole thing out and carries it up to this hill that faces this uh, Israeli city of, of Hebron. Now, Hebron's about 30, just a little less than 40 miles away. So, is it the hill that's right side of Hebron that faces it, or is it a hill right outside the city that faces it? Either way, it's either somewhere from between 4 and about 40 miles. He carries this thing, depending on what they mean by that hill. It doesn't tell us, but that's not really the point is. I mean, he's taking something that weighs probably tons, and pulls it out and then carries it uphill and throws it down. Um, and that's pretty amazing in and of itself, certainly. But it's almost like 
these kids that are junior high sitting up here in the front, you know, it's kind of like a junior high thing, right? Oh, yeah, you think you got me? I'll show you. I'll just tear out the city gate, and I'll carry it for miles and just throw it down. I, you know, I, I think Samson thought he was invincible. Nothing could stop him. And he was right. Really, nothing could. Just his own, his own, his own sin, his own pride. But notice how he's using that supernatural strength that God had given him to, to lead the nation, to deliver them from the enemies, to, to lead them so that they weren't oppressed and enslaved by the Philistines. He uses it kind of as a middle school prank, you, you know, just to, you know, he's using it. And, and the thing that kind of blows my mind personally is God is letting him use the strength however he seems like he wants to use it. I mean, to me, from just reading this, it seems like God gave him that strength, and whenever he, he wanted it, it was available to him. And what does he do with that? He's just sleeping with a prostitute, messing around, walking down to a place he shouldn't be, and then when he's seemingly trapped and the army thinks they have him trapped, he just pulls out the get-out-of-jail-free card and rips it out and uses this great strength that the Lord had given him, you know, superhuman strength to escape Gaza. You know, again, um, I, I just thinking that God had a calling and gave him gifts, and what was he doing with them? He was just messing around or treating them as not very important. But I, I can't help to think that maybe, you know, that might describe some of us sometimes. You know, we've been given gifts. All of us have been given gifts as, as Christians. All of us have been given talents. And the question is, what are we using them for? You know, the old, you know, standby, uh, you know, illustration for that, maybe more in our day and age, is that, you know, you think of some of these singers like, um, well, like, you know, like Whitney Houston and um, other, you know, people that had great vocals that started out in the church choir singing, right? You know, singing for the Lord. And, and then they just rolled us into a big music career and they were off and on, you know, doing their own thing and making money. And then pretty soon, you know, they're all going in a different direction and, you know, heading this way and doing all this stuff. And we got to talk to them next time about going that way, don't we? <laughs> and remind me if I forget, okay? Having all these kids walk by there is a big distraction. But, um, Anyway, uh, you know, and, and, and yet, you know, they kind of turn it and use it for their own glory and their own financial gain. And I don't know what's worse, right? But anyway, uh, um, so, you know, what? we just have to remember we've been given gifts, talents, and abilities, and we need to use them. We can't sit on them or just have them profit or comfort us in some way. Uh, it, it's, it's a tendency we all could find ourselves moving in that direction, certainly. And so um, the other thing is Samson hasn't seen the repercussions, really, of any of his actions yet. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to bite him, as we'll see here in a minute. Um, you know, sometimes we, we can't get in the way with actions or actions that we know we shouldn't be involved in, and because nothing happens, we think... Okay, well, it's it's going to be okay in some weird sense that we think that maybe um, you know nothing's really going to happen, and that's totally the mindset of Samson right now. You, you know, um, 
he, he is just thinking that I can just do whatever I want, whenever I want, and really all these time and all these years really hasn't, hadn't had any repercussions from it. But again, um, he will. Why was Samson in Gaza? He shouldn't be there. Taunting the Philistines, sleeping with the prostitute, and then he takes the gates off and drags them off and then heads out of the town and throws them down, kind of making a mockery of the Philistines. So he's out of town now. Verse 4 says, After, Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sherek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Uh, again, if anybody knows a Bible story, this is probably one that they know, the story of Samson and Delilah, very famous. Um, but here again, we see Samson following his passions. He's fallen for another Philistine gal. This time we're told that he loves her. Now, he's been with some of these Philistine women, but this is the first one we're told that he actually loves. And, um, you know, he basically probably falls in love with this very beautiful woman. I, I imagine she was. And he was in love with Delilah, it says. And Delilah was in love too. But just not with Samson. She was in love with money. <laughs> because she saw dollar signs, ching, ching, uh, uh, that I was going to get 1,100 pieces of silver. Let me, just, uh, let me just remind us here, there was five lords or rulers of the Philistines, so she's getting five times 1,100, and you know, for you big mathematicians, right, that's a lot of, that's a fortune. That's hundreds of times probably more than every, anybody would earn in their lifetime, a normal person, okay? So we're talking about, this is a fortune. This isn't just like, oh, great, I'll be able to go out to dinner and, and uh, maybe buy a new car kind of money. This is a life-changing uh, fortune that they're offering him. It's a, offering her. It's a huge amount of money. And let's face it, you know, she loves the idea of I'll love him for, well, maybe the first gold digger. I don't know, <laughs> but except he doesn't have the money that other people, but you know, you get the idea. She's in love with money here. And, and then again, this is a set for life kind of money that they're offering her. And I, I want to point out too, as I've said a number of times, verse five tells us they could not figure out why Samson was so strong. Tell us what his secret is. And man, if you can find out, we find out what the secret, well, then how can we deal with that secret strength that he has? So they're really just confounded about what Samson and why he was so strong. Um, and, and another reason why I believe that, you know, Samson wasn't a big guy at all, uh, because there's going to be uh, some famous Philistines that we'll see in uh, the next book. Um, and one of these famous Philistines will fight up against a guy named David, who was a teenager. And David will go out this famous Philistine with a slingshot and a rock. And I think we remember who that was. Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. And he had, from what it seems, probably four brothers or they were close related. So, um, now, no, they're not born yet. There's still some time. But what that tells me is there's some huge guys, because these guys have to come from somebody, right? There's some huge guys 
in the land of the Philistines. Nine-footer kind of guys. And don't think of like, you know, the big, tall, skinny basketball players. Think of the shack-sized basketball players, right? That are not only tall, but they're big. And again, I, you know, I tell this story all too often, but I inadvertently stood next to Shaq one time when he was playing for the Lakers. I was at a Laker game, and I was taking my youngest daughter to the bathroom, and I was trying to go right before halftime, but I couldn't quite get there in time where the tunnel where they go in, and so we were stuck right there. They said, oh, wait a minute, the players... And literally Shaq walked right, right by me, and all the players did, but Shaq... And you just can't imagine how big that guy is until you stood next. I would have never... I mean, I knew he was big, but he was like a wall. He was like a... A moving extra-large refrigerator, you know, just going past you with legs. I don't know how to describe him. And, and he doesn't have anything on, on, on what Goliath would be. So my point is of all that is that Philistines knew what big, strong warriors were. And, uh, you know, they couldn't figure out Samson, which makes me think that he's pretty small, probably average guy. And we know what the secret of his strength was, obviously, the Holy Spirit giving him power. We, we were already told that. So he goes out there, and, and now he's fallen in love. Back to the story here. And um, uh, so she's, she's got a pile of money uh, offered to her if she can just find out the secret and how to make him weak. And so she goes to work. Verse 6, so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Now, Samson loves this girl. Samson, are you as dumb as a stone or what? I, I don't get that. I mean, she is like being as blunt as you can. Hey, why are you so strong? And man, how can we get rid of that strength? <laughs> you know, this guy's as dumb as a stone. What is he doing around a woman like this? If anybody asks you that kind of question, you know, hello. I mean, it just shows you this guy was so out of tune uh, you know, that he didn't even realize, man, maybe he even did, and he was just toying with it again. Maybe he thought, yeah, you want to know my secret, and, you know, whatever I tell you. I, I think he's kind of toys with her at first, as we'll see here in a little bit. But I just start thinking, man, you're kind of as dumb as a stone when a girl's basically telling you, how do I defeat you, and, and you know, you're okay with it. It just as goes to show, you know, well, one thing it goes to show is that, you know, falling in love, uh, with somebody that's really not walking with the Lord is going to cost cost you a lot. We'll learn that lesson here. We got to be careful who we give our hearts to as believers, um, and that's why you know we're encouraged just not to tie into them. You know, if you start dating somebody that's not a believer, uh, and you need to warn your kids and your friends and those that you love that know the Lord, you know, you got to remind them over and over and over again. It's like don't allow your heart to go that way because if you fall in love. And they just don't know the Lord. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a big problems because their heart is over here. As much as I'm not saying they're not gonna be good parents, they're not gonna be good uh, you know spouses, they're not gonna be good people or good workers. And that has nothing to do with it. But as a Christian, as a believer, you know our heart is, and and, and who we seek after, and who we love is Jesus. And a person that doesn't know the Lord that they're the greatest passion might be who knows what. And, and that's going to come in direct conflict. And, and so we got to be careful that we don't put ourselves in a position that we allow our hearts to fall in love with somebody that we shouldn't. And so we set that fence around our hearts and around our lives. And we need to encourage those that we know and love in that same way. He's doing that and it's going to, well, we'll see, cost him a lot. And, and, and again, 
we need to be careful never to let a Delilah into our hearts as well, you know? We have no business um, being around somebody that's, you know, we just need to be careful because those Delilahs are out there. Um, you know, the, we always have to remind ourselves, some people kind of get desperate. You know, they haven't been dating or maybe they haven't found the right person or maybe they did and the relationship kind of just sank. And then, you know, there's some people that start getting kind of desperate. And I, I understand that. It kind of breaks my heart. And they want to be with somebody and they want to be in love or they want to be married or they want to have all those things. And those things are good and right and fine. Don't misunderstand me. But then they kind of get desperate. And so they'll start opening the doors that shouldn't be open. Because, you know, the devil would be happy to supply a person like that with a Delilah. And um, we need to be careful that we temper our hearts. Lord, you know my desires. You know what I, I'm longing for. And Lord, I, I know you have the right person. And Lord, bring the right person. And Lord, I, I don't want to you know, start settling and feel desperate. And then I, you know, I find a Delilah. And a Delilah can be in male or female form, by the way. <laughs> Make that clear. Because uh, the, the devil's happy to. He's got a lot of people in the control that will say, oh, this will... And uh, we need to be careful. He wasn't. Well, verse 7, and Samson said to her, if, if you know, he's answering her, you know, if you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dry, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him, uh, she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying in the room, uh, staying with her, I'm sorry, in the room. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now, she, he tells her something. He knows it's not true, but he tells her something. She does it. She's even got guys hiding in the room, which is just, Getting really weird now, in my opinion, there. She does it. She calls him out there. And, and, and then, you know, all of a sudden, he just breaks it. And that ruins all that stuff. I mean, uh, again, what is Samson thinking? He's thinking, whatever I do is really not going to affect me. You know, I'll just keep on keeping on. Um, and that's the real blinding of sin. You know, God's long-suffering and patience with him translated into in his, in his mind that it's okay to do, that God's okay with it because nothing has happened. And it's pretty sad here. And he's toying with it. And she's doing it, and he's okay with it. Verse 10 says, Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me, Lies. I can just kind of hear the wine going there, can't you? Now, please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, well, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Verse 13, therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to, said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men were lying in wait, staying in the room and he broke them off his arms like a thread. I, I, wouldn't a normal pe person say, you know, when the first people jump out and try to get you and you got them, 
And they did, when you walked in the room the next time, what, you'd be looking behind the curtain there and see if the guy's in the closet over there. Is there guys here waiting? <laughs> I don't know. But Samson, I, you know, it's, it's almost kind of comical here. And he's just kind of playing around, it seems like. It's all kind of fun. I think it's his ego, and he thinks he's invincible. Nothing's ever going to happen. Eh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and blind, yeah, you're right. And he's just, that's it, man. He's blinded by that. For sure. Well, verse 13, and Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, Well, if you weave seven locks of my head into the web of a loom. So she wove tightly the batten of a loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke asleep and pulled out the the battens, and the web from the loom. Now, he's getting dangerously close here. He's playing with fire, and he's going to get burned. And then she said to him, how, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. <laughs> this gal knew the manipulation game, and she is just laying it on here. And how could you say you love me? Uh, you know, and she's just manipulating the whole thing to get what she wants out of the whole deal. It just shows you how crazy the whole thing is. And she knew how to drive him nuts to the point where she was probably doing it over and over and over, and he couldn't just take it anymore. But he's in this situation now, and, and so he tells, verse 17 says, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been uh, a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak, and be like any other man. To me, it seems like this was the only part of the Nazarite vow that Samson hadn't broken to this point. Remember, he was not supposed to go near grapes or vineyard, not to drink alcohol. It was part of the thing to do when they were separated to God. But, and don't even go near the grapes. Stay away from them. Don't go near anything dead, dead bodies, whether it's an animal or a person. You're just to stay away from those things. And you're supposed to let your head grow. And there was a couple of ceremonial things they were supposed to do. And they all had reasons and important things. God was using those as pictures that we won't go into. But we know uh, from what we've read that it seems like he's broken all of them, except the one thing he hasn't cut is hair. But now he says that if you cut my hair, my strength will leave you. Now, uh, will leave him. Now, this hair wasn't as secret to his strength. It wasn't. But let's read what happens, and then we'll talk about that. So verse, um, and on my glass, 18, sorry. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she went and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. And then she lulled him to sleep, uh, lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him. 
and his strength had left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. And here's probably some of the saddest words in scripture, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Again, this money was burning a hole in Delilah's pocket, and as soon as she found out, she's like, oh, I want my fortune to come now. And he told her this. Now, again, as we even read at the, the last year that the, the Lord had departed from him, it wasn't his hair that was, gave him strength. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Lord left him, he didn't have any strength. So it wasn't his hair. So what about this whole hair thing? What, what, why is having no hair and his hair coming off, all of a sudden, uh, the thing that happened where his strength finally left him? Well, it doesn't tell us. But I, I kind of think the Lord allowed that to be Samson to come true, come to pass what he had said. In his own mind, he thought, that's the one thing I haven't broken. And maybe in his own mind, he thought, you know what, I'm holding on to not cutting my hair, even though I've broken all the other vows and I, I kind of been doing my own thing. You know, I, I'm not going to cut my hair. And, and in his own mind, he probably thought, you know, as long as I keep my hair, it, it'll be okay. But when nothing really mattered to him anymore, and he had thrown everything to the wind, so to speak, um, the Lord said, okay, if that's what you think will happen when your hair's cut, then that's, what, that's when it'll happen. And that's when it did. You know, he, his strength was gone. And the sad part is, like I said, at the end of verse 20 there, he didn't even know that the Lord had departed. He was so out of touch with walking with the Lord and, and listening to the Holy Spirit and, and being involved in the calling that God had him, he'd moved away from that so much that, you know, when the Lord left, it wasn't like much of a difference. He couldn't even tell because it had been so long since he had been really in touch with the Lord. And so, you know, now all of a sudden, well, all of it's just kind of washed away. And the Lord left him. And, of course, without the Lord, there was no strength. And, of course, what happens, you can imagine what the Philistines are going to do to him. Verse 23, then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. So they blinded him, they bound him, and he was a grinder. And I think that's a good thing that maybe you've heard many times, the three-point message of this sin blinds it binds and it grinds and that's exactly what happened to samson he he now i mean they put out his eyes he can't see he can't fight he can't do anything uh and uh, they bound him up to make sure he couldn't do anything and then he's down there what animals do you know moving wheels around and grinding grain it's just slave action uh even worse than that even lower than that it was this low of a job of having to do something that they could possibly do. And now he's in some, you know, dungeon, so to speak, working like an animal, can't see, living like that, um, and, and miserable. But thankfully the Lord's not done, just like he's not done with us. And let's read what happens here as we finish up. Verse 22, however, his hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. 
Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to get to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when the hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson uh, said to the lad who held him by the hand, I'm sorry, who uh, held him by the hand because he's blind, he needed to be led around. Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I may lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. So Samson's defeated. The Philistines want to go to their temple of Dagon and throw this wild party. Hey, we finally got victory over this guy. And hey, man, everything's going great. Our God is stronger than Samson's God. And just as the enemy likes to do uh, in those cases. And he does all this. And there's this wild party. And we notice that it does say that his hair begins to grow. And again, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of told that obviously we'll see here now he's going to finally call out to the Lord. He only called out to the Lord once or prayed to the Lord that we know one other time. And that's the last time, remember, he was thirsty and he was dying of thirst. And he goes, I'm going to die if I don't drink. And the Lord gave him, and, you know, gave him some water to drink. But this is the only other recording of him actually praying or calling out to the Lord. But he's really defeated. He's really defeated himself. And again, these guys are having this wild party and their temple of Dagon, and all the leaders are there, and, and uh, you know, they're making fun of him, and let's finish it up. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then Samson took hold of the two pillars which supported the temple and embraced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple uh, fell on the Lord's and of all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zohar and Eshcol in the tomb of his father, Manoah, and he had judged Israel 20 years. So what a sad ending, but he says, you know what, Lord, okay, I realize, you know, this is it, and, uh, you know, let me just make this right, if you would, and I'm going to, you know, make this right, and uh, you're going to ask for one more set of strength to, you know, so the glory doesn't fall uh, to Dagon. Uh, and when the temple fell, um, you know, that's where the phrase daggone it, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> came from. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, no, uh, yeah, uh, no, anyway. So, you know, basically, the Lord, he said, you know, Lord, I, I you know, I, I, I think there's a repentant heart here. Lord, I've blown it, and I, I could have delivered the people, and all these leaders are there, and whoever, who's who of the Philistines is there, and, and, and Lord, I, I want to have victory so the people aren't, aren't, you know, enslaved. And finally, you know, he calls out to the Lord, and the Lord 
uh, answers his prayer and he, um, you know, and everything comes down and obviously uh, the Israelites were freed now that all the leaders and all those muckety-mucks of the Philistines were there. And, you know, that's where we find ourselves ending tonight. You know, the last thing I want to remind us is that we see all this missed opportunities, all the things that he just did contrary to what the Lord would have him to do. And yet, you know, amazingly enough, Samson ends up in Hebrews chapter 11 mentioned in the hall of faith and those great people of faith of doing great things in faith. And amazingly, Samson's name's listed there. It always kind of blows my mind. But I think, you know, it just shows the grace and the goodness of God and I think the change of, of Samson's heart at the very end, you know, uh, that he just, you know, I realize I've blown it, Lord, but I, I would like you to have the victory and the glory go to you at the end and certainly the Lord grants him that and he's recorded as have, being one that, you know, lived in faith and certainly that's... Um, you know what happened at the end of his life here, uh, and thanks to God's grace in, in our lives as well, right? That we can take what we've messed up and things we've blown it and places that we've just really been where we shouldn't have been and got involved in these things, and when we turn to the Lord, that he's gracious and he welcomes us back and he embraces us and said, yep, I'm ready to use you now, and glory to God, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for that grace and that love, Lord. Also for the reminders, Father, that we need to be careful not to get involved and be in places where we shouldn't be and around people we shouldn't and allowing our heart to fall for those that, that we shouldn't as well, Lord. Help us, Father, to walk strong and in faith with you, Lord, realizing what you have is what's best for us. And Lord, if you, you prohibit something in our life or if you say this is not what we should do or be a part of or be around, Lord, you do it because you love us. You're not trying to kill the fun as people that don't know you and restrict us in some crazy way. You only do that out of love because you love us. And you know what's best. You know what will hurt us. And, Father, you don't want to see that happen. So, Lord, we pray that we would heed those warnings and those reminders that you send our way. And we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for how much you love us, Lord. Bless these things to our heart, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, you guys.